football, the, uh, like football, like the Premier League. Um, I think Arsenal's at the top of the table. Why? Why do football? What are you talking about football? I don't know what that is. I don't know. I'm not familiar. The foot, the American football. I don't know. Don't they? The MLS, right? Ibrahimovic, the LA Galaxy. Sure, that's the only football that I'm aware of. I've never watched, paid attention to, cared about, talked about foot. I don't know what American college football. I don't know what that is. The NFL. That's not the LA Galaxy. That's those are different. Ibrahimovic and the NFL are different humans or different teams. I don't know what I don't know what football is. Um, but my weekend was pretty good. I had a couple iced coffees. Um, I went down to the beach for a couple hours, hung out with some friends. I called my parents. It was good. No football and um, good. Yeah, no, no. It was a great weekend, actually. <laughs> Thanks. Welcome back, folks. This is the Detroiter. We're covering sports in the Motor City and the Mid-State. A little bit of a different episode today. We're only going to talk about the English Premier League. That's all we're going to do today. We're going to talk about Arsenal. We're going to talk about Liverpool. Um, I think Chelsea's probably in the mix. My fellas, my team, West Ham, right, with all that Saudi money. Been a fan since I was a kid, right? Came out of the cradle with West Ham colors, the blue, black, white, yellow trim. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows the West Ham colors. At least every West Ham fan knows the colors. I had actually, when I was a kid, and I, I used to sleep in a crib when I was a baby, I had a little West Ham horse, a stuffed West Ham horse that I would sleep with. His name was Gerard. Um, he was a beautiful horse. He was stuffed. And then our dog, Roscoe, shoot him up, ate him, stuffing everywhere. Horrible scene. For some reason, they covered the stuffing. It was like splattered blood. Horrible scene. Maybe that's just how they make toys in the UK. But no, I love West Ham. Um, I love the Premier League. I love when my teams play a 4-4-2. Um, Pep Guardiola, for instance. In, uh, Aguero! Drink it in. Never again will you see anything like this in your life. Dine. Right? Football, the Premier League, the pub. Um, Jason Sudeikis would be another term that comes to mind. Uh, Thierry Henry. Oh, oh, Zinedine Zidane when he headbutted the guy. France won the World Cup in 2018. So that's kind of what the podcast is today. We're just talking. Fucking the only form of football anybody cares about. The only form of football that I choose to acknowledge. How's that? Everybody's coming here after the weekend. Let's talk football. What's Nick got to say? A couple games were played. Some things happened. What's he got to say? Let's talk about the football. Okay, we can talk football. I love Liverpool. I like Mo Saleh. I don't know why. Or Mo Salah. Is that his name? I like him. Good player. Um, what's the other guy? Virgil van Dyke. He's Virgil van Dyke. I like him too. In other news, the Red Wings start Friday. How's that sound? We got the Canadian contingency in here today. We got a little hockey starting this Friday. I think it's October 14th is the date. Red Wings will be playing host to the Montreal Canadiens, Le Habitant, El Habitants. Um, I'm juiced up for that. How couldn't you be? If you're from Detroit, God forbid you're a Detroit fan and you're a Michigan State fan. How couldn't you be juiced up for the Red Wings to start? Maybe the only team in this city that is going to deliver any form of promise to us, the, the indentured fans, in the next two, three years. Maybe the only fucking team in the city that'll be a little bit competitive for a season. That'll make it a little interesting. That'll have you 
I don't even want to dare say the edge of your seat at the end of the year, but that'll have you still in your seat at the end of the year. That'll still have the channel on the dial. You know how you go previously, like you bring up all the channels you've been watching? The Red Wings, Fox Sports, Detroit, or wherever you watch them, that'll still be in the recents at the end of the season. The only team in this godforsaken city with these piss-poor dogwater fucking franchises, the only team that'll maybe give you a little bit of enjoyment throughout the course of an 82-game season. Hopefully. I'll probably be wrong about that, though, right? They'll probably have the worst season they've had in seven years. Oh, it looks like they were going to be pretty good. They made some signings. Heads up. <laughs> Woo! Excuse me. They made some signings. Andrew Kopp in the mix. Um, Elmer Soderblom made the team lark. And Raymond and Sider taking another jump, right? They got another season. Vrana will be here all season long, hopefully. This Red Wings team, maybe they can shake some things up. Maybe they can do a couple things. Maybe they can get it interesting. I don't know. Maybe sneak into a playoff spot or at the very worst, make a run at one. At the very worst, apply a little bit of pressure to other teams gunning for playoff spots. I don't know. Now that I think that, and that is my expectation for the Red Wings, I kind of feel um, that they're probably going to have the worst season the franchise has ever had. Like, I have a little bit of hope for the Wings. I feel pretty good about them. I think they'll be fun to watch. I think we'll have some good players. Mo Sider will be one of the best defensemen, not on the team, not in the division, in the entire fucking league. I think Dylan Larkin has been a savage the last two years. He's proved that, that he can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody not named McDavid, Matthews, or McKinnon. That's sick that all those guys' names start with that. Mick, Matt, Mick. That's pretty cool. Didn't even think about that till right now. Larkin can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody in this league. A fully healthy Tyler Bertuzzi is a guy that can ruffle some feathers and score some goals. Nobody hates having those guys on their team. Lucas Raymond was a bit of a sparkler last year. I think he takes another step. Hopefully gets a little faster, gets a little bigger, a little stronger, maybe a little less hesitancy. Not that I ever thought that was a problem with him last year. But you got a year under your belt playing in the big leagues, right? You got a year under your belt on the smaller sheet of ice with guys at the NHL level. You know what the closing speed feels like. You know where goalies are more vulnerable. You just have a better idea of what it's going to be. The more experienced, the better, right? Now, this team is still very young, at least as far as the impact players go. Everybody that we rely on to win whatever games we'll win is on the younger side. I mean, Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi. Those are some of the older guys. Those are the oldest impact players I would say that we have. And what are they? Like 26, 27 tops? Like, I don't even, I know they're not 30. Like, we got a pretty, pretty young team. And outside of that handful, every other younger guy is in the mid to low 20s, or every other impact player is in the mid to low 20s. Cider and Raymond are babies. I think Vrana's like 25, something like that. Pronick is still in his 20s, I believe. Not that he's a super impact player, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. Gustav Lindstrom's a younger guy. Nedeljkovic in the net is a younger guy. Um, Fabry's getting up there a little bit, I guess. Zadina is a younger guy. Soderblom, obviously. He's a bit of a baby. Rasmussen's a younger guy. It's like everybody on this team, everybody that is going to be a guy if we were to make the playoffs or wherever this season can go, whatever the potential the Red Wings have this year, Every guy that's going to really drive us to reaching that potential is on the younger side. So that's a little interesting. That makes it tougher, I would say. That relinquishes 
a bit of the expectation when you don't have a ton of veteran leadership and you certainly don't have a ton of veteran leadership. That's one big. Now we've brought in a couple guys. Andrew Cops more of a veteran. David Perron is more of a veteran. Ben Sherratt is more of a veteran. We've brought in some guys, but one or two guys, I'm not sure how much of an impact they make exactly. And it's not like we're bringing in Sidney Crosby, right? David Perron, solid player, fits right in on the power play, knows where the goals are scored, knows how a power play is supposed to look, supposed to run. Valuable asset. He's going to improve this team. David Perron, not exactly a game breaker. No disrespect. He's going to be a good player. He will improve the team. Andrew Kopp. He'll be a fine second-line center. Is he the ideal second-line center? Probably not, but he's been around the league. He's used to the physicality. He knows what his responsibilities are. He's a good two-way player. He will get a little scrappy if he has to. He will speak up in the locker room. But again, another guy where, A, has he been in a ton of winning organizations? I think Winnipeg made the playoffs a couple times when he was there, but I don't remember any deep Winnipeg playoff runs, do you? And again, Andrew Kopp. Is he Jonathan Huberto? Not quite. He's a fine player. Again, he's a guy that'll improve this team. He's a guy that'll not only improve them on the ice, but in the locker room. But is he a game breaker? I don't think, think so. And Ben Sherratt falls into that same exact category. A veteran, solid player, coming from Florida. Yeah, they were a pretty good team last year. The last few years, as a matter of fact, they've been pretty good. But again, I don't recall any deep, scathing Florida Panther playoff runs. Doesn't have like Stanley Cup pedigree. But he has a little bit of veteran leadership. He's been around more winning than anybody else on the Red Wings has been. That's the thing you got to remember, too. All these young guys, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond Sider, obviously. But even the younger guys like Larkin, Bertuzzi, who have been here a while and are still younger guys slash in their prime, those dudes haven't sniffed winning hockey. Those dudes have no fucking clue. The last time they were part of a winning team is when Dylan Larkin was at Michigan. The last time Tyler Bertuzzi was on a winning team was when he was at Guelph or Guelph, however the fuck, however the fuck you say, the Gulf Storm, the Guelph Storm, when he was with Fabry and uh, was it Vrana, his other line mate? That's the last time those guys were in winning locker rooms. That's the last time those guys played for teams where every night they took the ice, they were thinking, we're going to win this game. That's the last time. And I hate to get to the Lions this early because – I don't think any of us really want to hear about them or talk about them, even though we will. But Dan Campbell said that in Hard Knocks. Jonah Jackson at Ohio State. You guys, what was your mentality before every game? Jonah Jackson, yeah, we thought we were going to win every time we played. That's all these guys, Dylan Larkin, that Michigan team with Wierenski and God knows who else they had. Every time they took the ice, they were like, we're going to win tonight. Tyler Bertuzzi with Fabry Vrana. Every time Guelph took the ice, they were thinking, yeah, we're going to win tonight. These guys haven't been a part of something like that for like five, six, seven years. That's fucking wild to think about. So while the guys, Cop, Peron, Sherratt, and uh, Sunquist came in, like all these dudes, Villa Huso, aren't necessarily game-breaking through-the-roof talents. And again, they aren't necessarily multiple Stanley Cup champions, back-to-back-to-back-to-back deep playoff runs, nothing like that. They do have more winning pedigree than anybody else on the team. They have been on a team that was good during at least a regular season. They know what it looks like. They know what it sounds like. They know how those teams practice. They know what it looks like on the road. You're getting dinners together. You're going and doing shit together. They know how the coaches and the team interact. They are aware. They are familiar with how winning organizations are run and what they feel like. 
Nobody in Detroit is like knows what that's like. Steve Eiserman is the only fucking guy. Steve Eiserman, Cronwell, Lidstrom, all the guys in the front office, all the dudes who don't play, who don't coach the team every day, they're the ones who know what that's like. They're not with the team every day. They're not on the road every single weekend. They're not the ones in the fucking game, passing the puck, shooting the puck, defending the puck, saving the puck. The only guys we have that know how to win don't have anything to do with the games that are actually played. So it's nice to get some people in there that are. I don't want to go too crazy or too off the rails with the Red Wings. It is hockey season. I don't give a fuck about football. Michigan State ripped my heart out. The Detroit Lions pissed on it, spit on it, and stomped on it all the same time. I'm done with the football season. Any, you know, I'm a sick bastard, so I'll probably tune in for a couple more Lions games. I'm a sick individual. So, yeah, I'm going to watch the next couple state games, but I'm checked out. I'm not going into any of these like, oh, rah, 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 let's win. Holy shit, I can't wait. That's over with. I'm not going into these like, all right, play out, Lena, let's make a, got to win this game for this to happen. I'm out. If the Lions want me back, they're going to have to win, I would say, at least two in a row. Like, you got to get back to one under 500 for me to have any interest again. You got to get back within striking distance for me to clear my schedule on a Sunday and make sure I'm watching the Lions. Because from here on out, Hey, dude, you want to go on a hike Sunday morning? Yeah, absolutely. Don't the Lions play? Who fucking cares? That's where I'm at with the Lions. They don't respect me. They don't want to even put out an effort against New England Sunday. Fuck them. I'm not going to do the same for them. Michigan State, love them to death. Love them to fucking death. They're horrible. They're unwatchable. They haven't played a good football game since week two, and that was against the University of Akron, which it's a miracle that they even have a fucking football team. I'm out Saturday morning, dude. Let's go get some beers down by the beach. Okay. Wait, wait, Michigan state's playing though. Uh, and what, what am I supposed to do? I, am I supposed to care? Fuck those guys. They're toast. They're terrible. The season's over. I'll be all in for the Michigan game. I will be glued to a television for a Michigan game. I will be obnoxious on the internet for an entire week before the Michigan game. Absolutely. Every other Michigan or Michigan state game, Oh, we're playing Indiana this week? All right, I'm going to uh, sleep in. Oh, we're playing Penn State this week? Okay, my friend's having a party. I fucking don't care. Oh, we're playing Wisconsin this week, and it's homecoming. All right, cool. My parents will be in town. We'll probably, like, go walk around or something. I don't know. I am fucking done with these teams. I just can't keep doing it. I can't keep emotionally getting there. Now, if we're at a bar or if I'm at home and I'm not doing shit and State's playing – or the same goes and the Lions are on, yeah, I'll watch the Lions game. Yes, I'll root for State. Yes, I'll root for the Lions. Yes, I'll pay attention. Yes, I'll keep track of the scores. But we're right back to the three and nine year. Like, I just, I don't, I'm not going to plan around. My weekend doesn't revolve around football anymore. I'm not getting emotionally high or emotionally low because a team that I know sucks ass lost again. I'm not getting my hopes up. For a team and for a coaching staff who keeps giving me the same answers, we're right there. It's inches away. This team can be great. All we got to do is look back and execute. I'm done with all of that naive bullshit. If it's on, it's on. I'll watch. If it's not on, big whoop, I'll take a fucking nap. I'll do literally anything. I'll eat a bagel, dude. I'll go down to the store and buy an apple. I'll do anything. I'm not planning around the football anymore because it's not fair to me. Honestly, it's not fair to me. Now, with all of that said, I am not abandoning hope on the future. And by the future, I mean the next year, the following year, et cetera. 
this year is probably toast for the Lions. This year's definitely toast for Michigan State. This year it's beat Michigan and then nobody gives a fuck about any other game that'll be played this year. That's exactly what's going to happen at MSU. If you think the woodshed's selling out again, it'll be, oh, Michigan games in Ann Arbor. So yeah, if you think the woodshed is selling out again um, in East Lansing, you're crazy. The, there's going to be empty seats from the start to the end every single game the rest of the way in East Lansing. Um, Ford Field, probably a similar similar look, and rightfully so. Fuck those guys as well. Fuck this team as well. Fuck this defense as well. Dan Campbell, I still like him. I still think it's possible he can succeed, but every week that goes by and we get more of the I fucked up, my bad, I didn't do a good enough job. And I understand, right? Like he's taking the blame. He's not pointing the finger, which is what a good leader does. But it's Dan Campbell every week that goes by. The approval rating just boop, 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 boop. The approval rating dips just a little every single fucking game that's played. I'm just done dedicating myself to it. I'm done sitting there halfway through the second quarter and being unable to decide if I want to put my fucking fist through the television or if I want to lay on my floor for six hours, throw my phone in the toilet, and not talk to anybody for the rest of my life. I'm done having that conflict. I'm done watching Michigan State with a bunch of fellow Spartans, and it's a beautiful day outside. The beach is 600 feet away, and I'm laying on a couch, clenching my hair like this, scrolling Twitter, firing off tweets, so angry, confused, like, almost delirious, like it's hilarious how fucking bad we are and how we never improve at all. And meanwhile, I got a bunch of friends around. We should be having the time of our lives. It's a Saturday in October. The weather's beautiful. It's mid seventies. There's a beach. There's young people around, beautiful women, bars, restaurants. There's a grocery store. And I'm sitting there on the couch, fucking firing off tweets about how, how does this defense not get half of a percent better in the course of four weeks? I'm done with it. We're going to take a quick break, okay? We'll dive into the Michigan State. I'm not going to talk about the game because I can't. We got fucking smoked by a way better team. That's what happened in the game. C.J. Stroud roasted us. That's what happened in the game. We got no pressure on the quarterback again. That's what happened in the game. Our secondary time and 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 time again have no clue have no clue who they're supposed to be covering. And I'm not mad at guys like Chuck Brantley. Chuck Brantley, he had the pick six, which was cool, but he had a couple tough plays, right? Marvin Harrison just being a five-star recruit. Marvin Harrison Jr. being Marvin Harrison's kid. Marvin Harrison making a play. He had a couple tough plays one-on-one with an elite wide receiver. Good throw. Marvin Harrison makes a great catch, great catch, and scores a couple touchdowns on him. I have no beef with you, Chuck Brantley. Guys flying around, hitting people, bringing the heat. Looks like he actually has a little bit of fucking pride with that Spartan on his helmet. I have beef with Angelo Gross, with Justin White, with Amir Speed, with all of these fucking guys. They're not getting beat one-on-one. They're not getting beat because the Ohio State receiver's too fast or too big. They're getting beat because somehow in week six of however many years they've been at MSU, they have no idea who it is they're supposed to be covering, or where it is they're supposed to be covering. I can't stand that shit. So I'm not going to talk about it. That happened again. The offensive line got abused again. Peyton Thorne wasn't good again. 
the run game sucked. Again, Jaden Reed's great. Feel bad for that, dude. Unbelievable player. Forfeited the NFL to come back for this shit. Sucks. Sucks. He shouldn't have to go through that. Everything was the same. Nothing got better. The defense didn't get better. Nothing improved. We've inches, 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 inches. We're moving in fucking micrometers, nanometers. We're not even getting close to closing that inch. Makes me sick. So I'm not going to talk about it. We'll talk about the future. We'll talk about a little bit of a positive spin. Not even. It's not even a positive spin. It's just, I guess, taking the temperature of the fan base. And the Lions, the same shit. Got abused. Offense sucked. Run game wasn't good. Golf was bad. First time all year in his defense, but he was bad. Defense, horrible again. What else is new? Dan Campbell was bad again. Signed a kicker. Didn't use him once for some reason. Six different fourth downs. Didn't get it. NFL record. Unbelievable. Only the Lions. Um, And yes, kind of similar to MSU. Just didn't improve, really. Defense didn't really get better. Um, Offense got much worse. Coaching didn't get better. Intensity didn't get better. The, The will to win didn't get better. Nothing really got better. It just got worse for the Lions in another must-win spot after that embarrassing loss to Seattle. just got worse. So um, we know what happened there. There's nothing really to talk about. Everybody's fucking injured somehow. Don't care. Don't care. That was a pathetic game. The effort level was pathetic. Offense was pathetic. No excuse. Um, But again, we'll take the temperature of the fan base and talk about I don't want to say what something should be, but what I feel the conversation should be around Dan Campbell. So quick break. We'll be right back. All right. I know I say this pretty much every single time I record. I go, this is verbatim. I'm going to try and keep this short, guys. And then I talk for like 29 minutes and 59 seconds. I know I do that pretty much every time I record. But I'm actually going to try and keep this short. Um, Let me just lay it out where I'm at. I kind of alluded to it in the first half just now. Let me lay it out, though. I just can't. It's just me, right? This podcast, it's just me. I come on here. It's like a stream of consciousness. I talk about MSU. talk about Michigan. I talk about the Lions. Unfortunately for me, the only team that does well out of those three is the one that I don't really care about. So that makes it challenging. And when the two teams that I do care about fail week after week after week, and not only do they fail week after week after week, but they fail in the exact same way. And then I don't have anybody to like riff off of on top of that. I don't have anybody to make a conversation with on top of that. It gets very difficult to keep doing the same shit over and over. You know what I mean? Like the reason I hate the Lions and I hate what Michigan State's doing is because they both love to practice insanity. Let's do the same shit every week, even though we know it doesn't work and see if it works this time, even though we know it fucking doesn't. But let's try it again because that's how I feel. I feel like I'm going insane on here. I come on. We talk about MSU's defense. We talk about how they play 70 yards off everybody. We talk about Scotty Hazleton's things, but oh, wait a second. Nobody knows what they're supposed to be doing. Wait a second. Angelo Gross, this is his third year, I believe, in the program. Still doesn't know if it's a zone or a man. Justin White, I know this is at least his second year in the program. Even when he has a deep half of the field, his responsibility is, hey, Justin, hair looks cool. You're fast. You look cool. Great. You had that sweet sack. Or not even a sack, but you hit Cade McNamara last year, forced a bad throw. Great. Justin. 
your responsibility on this play is don't let anybody behind you. You're playing safety. That half of the field, the deep half of that half, or the deep portion, whatever, of that half of the field is your zone. Don't let anybody go behind you. And the play starts, and his first motion is to run in five steps. Next thing you know, the receiver's behind him, and it's a 60-yard touchdown. I feel like I'm going insane when I come on week three, week four, week five, and now week six. And I'm talking about how the secondary, nobody knows what they're doing. I talk about how the front four, nobody gets a pass rush. Jacoby Winman was going to win the fucking Heisman. Jacoby Winman, Brandon Jordan, he made him a millionaire. What a transfer get. Haven't heard his name since the Akron game. The run game stinks. The offensive line couldn't push around a geriatric in a fucking wheelchair. Peyton Thorne is average to bad at best. The wide receivers are the only thing on this fucking team that has any business being on the field with half of the teams we've played. Mel Tucker has not made changes, and fair enough, I suppose. He doesn't want to throw coaches under the bus during the regular season. Like Dan Campbell, I can appreciate that as a leader. I can appreciate him not going, Scotty Hazleton sucks, go ask him. I can appreciate him saying, Peyton Thorne hasn't been good, go ask him. I can appreciate that as a leader. He's willing to a little bit fall on the sword. I can appreciate that, but he has not made changes. The answers we get from him are, we're really close to being good. All we need to do is execute. We'll look at the film and clean some things up. Our best football is ahead of us, even though that next game always happens to be the fucking worst. I can't come on week after 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 week and talk about those same things to myself, to this camera, to you guys. But it's just me in this room right now. It's me in the air conditioning unit and the ring light. And I'm talking about the same shit I've been talking about for a month. For a month. You know what it is. You know what I'm going to say. If you've watched the game, here's the funny thing. If you've watched the game, if you watched Michigan State, Ohio State this weekend, you know exactly what I'm going to say. You know what happened. You know exactly what's going on. You know why we lost. Same fucking reasons we lost. You know how we look. Same way we always fucking look. And the funny thing is, if you didn't watch that game, You still know how we lost. You still know how that game went. Because all I have to say is it went exactly like every single other game we've played this season outside of the first two. It went like every single game we've played against a real opponent this year. They've all been the same. Nobody plays defense. Cannot run the ball. Peyton Thorne, maybe he makes a couple throws, but for the most part, isn't very good. And we get smoked. There it is. Oh, Bryce Berenger's good, though. He can punt the ball. There it is. That's exactly how the game won. What am I going to do? Break down how Angelo Gross in week six for the five trillionth fucking time blows a coverage? What am I What am I going to talk about? Jaden Mangham gets hurt. I, I will elaborate on Mangham, actually. Jaden Mangham gets hurt. Justin White comes in and has no clue what a cover two is. What am I going to talk about? The offensive line got fucking bullied by... Get this, the offensive line was getting bullied at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. They were getting bullied by Ohio State's backups. Our starting offensive line was getting bullied, bullied, abused, thrown around, 
by Ohio State's backups. Trey Mosley was great. Keon Coleman didn't get the ball thrown to him a ton, was fine. Jaden Reed was good. Tyler Hunt dropped the pass. Why is he playing? Who knows? Jay Johnson wasn't very good again. The offense, the play calling was inconsistent at best. Called runs when he shouldn't have. Way too committed to something that clearly fails all the fucking time, especially against a team like Ohio State. Clearly, clearly not going to work. The run game just runs it on first and second down anyways. I don't know what there is to say. It's the same thing I've been saying every single week. Every single week since the fucking Akron game. It's the same thing. I'm not going to spend 30 minutes going over it again. I just can't. The one thing about the game. Let me talk about Jaden Mangum. couple things, dude. Football is fucked up. Every time I watch these guys, and it's not MSU, just football in general, college pro, every single weekend that goes by. Now, I don't know if I'm becoming a little bit of a pussy or what. Every weekend that goes by, I watch these games and some of the hits. I'm sitting there like, wow, what? What is this? That Mangum hit on Travion Henderson, which, by the way, Travion Henderson, that dude is a load. Sucks for Buckeyes fans that he got hurt. That guy's a fucking animal. He is a load. That hit Mangum laid on him, or I should say the hit Henderson laid on Mangum, I suppose. I mean, it was a fucking collision and a half. Uh, dude, my friends and I, we were watching that. Like, it it sucked the air out of the room. It was still a close game, I think. Maybe it was 21-13 at that point. Like, Emma, it was still a game. There was still a possibility, a universe in which MSU won. The game wasn't a blowout. It was still like, all right, let's see what, you know. Nobody's expecting much, but we're all sitting there like, let's see what happens. And Jaden Mangum just gets put to sleep. That was some of the scariest shit I've ever seen. Just didn't move. They brought out the um, stretcher. They like rolled him onto it because they didn't want to move him. And he gets ambulanced off. That was a scary fucking sight, man. These injuries, these like, when people get concussed, Olave in the Saints game, Tua a week or two ago, whenever that was, these concussions are fucking scary, dude. Savion Smith in the Lions game, like, oh, it, it, oh, it like, oh, it's got like goosebumps. It makes me chill. It's creepy. So I, I'm glad he's okay. I don't know, you know, like just shut him down, right? Don't put that guy in. It's useless. You don't need him to play the rest of the year. Just fucking save his health. Make sure he's okay. Tell him to go lift some weights. Hit the treadmill. We'll use him next year if he's still about it. But the saddest part about that was Jaden Mangum and Chuck Brantley too. The only two guys on the defense that I can confidently say I want to see on the defense next year. The only two guys that were wearing green and white Saturday that I felt truly had the mentality of fuck you. The only two guys that didn't give a fuck that they were playing Ohio State. Jaden Mangum, that play included, was flying around all afternoon up until he went out. He was coming up, hitting the running back. It's a shame he had to make as many tackles as he did because that means the defensive line and the linebackers aren't doing dick. Ben Van Summer, and that guy's been... Where the fuck are you, Ben Van Summeren? Ever, ever, where are you? But Jaden Mangum was flying around, dude. He had his hair on fire. He looked like he wanted to be there. He looked like he didn't care if it was Ohio State or the Kansas City Chiefs or LeBron James and I don't know who. He didn't give a fuck who he was playing against. He wanted to hit someone. He wanted to make plays. He wanted to win the fucking game. He was willing to put his heart, body, and soul out there 
for Michigan State to come away with a W. And it sucks that he got hurt, but Jaden Mangum, if you're somehow watching this, you are a certified dog. I want him playing for us. I want that guy on my defense. I want Jaden Mangum, as long as he wants to be a part of it, as long as he wants to strap him up, I want that dude seeing the field on Saturdays. Because you know what's fucked up, and I've been saying it for weeks as well, a lot of guys that get time on MSU's defense, I really don't understand why. I really don't understand what Amir Speed has done to get time. Get beat on seven-yard out routes for every single week in a row. Charles Brantley, like I said as well, he flies around. He'll come up and hit you. He got beat in a couple tough one-on-ones, but he games. He makes you earn it. He makes Ohio State. He made Marvin Harrison Jr. make a couple incredible catches. He makes you be better than him. He doesn't just hand it to you. He makes you fucking pry it from his cold, lifeless hands. And I appreciate that about Chuck. Chuck, Jaden Mangum, I want those dudes in the green and white as long as they're willing to be in the green and white. Everybody else on the defense, why the fuck do they get time? Cal Halliday, he was a freshman All-American last year. What the hell did he do Saturday? Didn't hear his name. Maybe made a couple tackles because someone has to make tackles you know, eventually. What the fuck did he do? Amir Speed, bro. Why does he – is Caleb Coley dead? Is every other cornerback on the roster dead? How is Amir, Why does Amir Speed get time? How did he deserve time? How does he earn that time? Anybody on the defensive line, how, why do they deserve time? Alex Van Summeren, four-star, highest-ranked recruit in our class last year. How come he doesn't see the field? Magoatete, I Lord knows I can't say it. I think the first class Mel Tucker pulled in. He was the four-star. He flipped from USC. How come he doesn't get any time? Cal Halliday's not doing shit. Ben Van Summeren doesn't do dick. Ma can't get the field a little bit. You can't give him a chance. Oh, maybe he's a little stronger or a little weaker. He's a little younger. He doesn't look as good at practice. Guess what, dude? Ben Van Summeren doesn't look good in the fucking game. So respect. Jaden Mangham, Chuck Brantley. Hey, those guys can play in the green and white. All these other dudes, what have they done to earn fucking playing time, Mel? I don't understand that, especially at this point in the season. What are we doing? Running a charity operation? I said it coming into the game, too, with Peyton Thorne at the QB spot. What do you know? He wasn't very good once again. Fucking shocker, dude. Shocker. Peyton Thorne, not great. Shocker. What did he do during time? He just happens to be older. He had a good season last year. Is that what he did this year to earn the time? He played well when Kenneth Walker was in the backfield? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I know, yes, give him some time. You gave him five games. Now it's been six. The fuck do any of these guys do to earn their reps? Outside of the wide receiver position, I think our running backs actually are good too. Collins, Broussard, Berger, although Collins should get more carries. I think they're all good players. At some point, it just comes down to what can the offensive line do for them. But offensive line, what dictates those guys getting reps? Tight end. Why the fuck is Tyler Hunt getting reps? Just doesn't make sense. Doesn't really make sense. I noticed two guys on the defense because we have, it is about the defense, right? That is the thing, the talking point with Michigan State, especially the past defense. But it happens on the offense too. Noticed two guys on the defense all day Saturday that I was like, oh, okay. Well, they're playing hard. Jaden Mangum, Charles Brantley. Don't understand how anybody else touches the field. Or at least don't understand how they touch the field after five weeks of being completely inadequate. It's wild. Angelo Gross gets time. Angelo Gross, this is his third year in your program, Mel Tucker. He doesn't know if it's a man or a fucking zone. 
And oh, by the way, that guy just scored because Angelo Gross is looking at the sideline hoping somebody tells him. I don't know. Just just something to think about. Just something to think about. The one thing I do want to say about this, I made the video on it today, the TikTok. This season sucks. It is absolutely okay to be mad. I'm angry. I am not happy. I just went on a rant at the beginning of the episode talking about how, yeah, I'm probably not going to watch every state game from here on out. Yeah, I'm probably going to spend my Saturday doing other shit. Eh, It just is what it is. That said, and if you're a U of M fan or Ohio State fan or whoever fan, absolutely roast us. Understandable. Now is the time. If you hate Michigan State, if you hate Mel Tucker, if you hate our fan base, whatever, now's your time to get the jokes in. Absolutely. You've earned that. I mean, you haven't earned shit, but we gave you the opportunity to do so. What I won't accept, what doesn't fly, is anybody out there, whether it's in the national media or it's a Michigan State fan, anybody out there doing the whole Mel Tucker has the worst contract ever. Mel Tucker's stole $95 million from Michigan State. Is Mel Tucker going to survive the end of the season? Michigan State should have made changes already. Michigan State would have made changes already if he was a white coach. All of this garbage, vile, fucking fraudulent bullshit. If you truly believe in your heart of hearts, you could pass it on a polygraph that Mel Tucker at $95 million is the worst contract in football and he should be fired or should be on the hot seat or Michigan State fans should regret the decision that their powers at be made, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I hate to break it to you because we weren't supposed to be good last year. I know we won 11 games. Great season. Michigan State was projected by Vegas to win four, four and a half. Last year was an anomaly. This year, we were supposed to be bad. This year, not as bad, but like six, seven, maybe eight wins. This year was never supposed to be the run to the Big Ten Championship. This year is the year where Coach D'Antonio's worst of the worst have to pull the most weight. This was never supposed to be Mel Tucker's shining moment. This year, 2023, year two, technically year three, but barely of Mel Tucker was never the year where it's like, this is when he gets it right at Michigan State. It is sad. It is pathetic. It is embarrassing that he's getting blown out by Minnesota, Washington, Ohio State, getting beat by Maryland. Yes. But let's not act like we paid Mel Tucker $95 million to win everything in year three, year two. Let's not act like that's the case. We paid Mel Tucker $95 million because he is an elite recruiter, elite marketer. He will go get players not from Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Wisconsin, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, California, Georgia, and then he'll go to Michigan, Ohio, wherever else. He will get players from all across the country. He will bring a level of talent here that has been unprecedented at this university. And we were well aware, a lot of the reason Mel Tucker got that 95 mil is we were well aware of how bare the cupboards were. We're well aware of what D'Antonio left us with. D'Antonio left us with Bowling Green's fucking roster. Mel Tucker, as great as he is in the transfer portal, as great as a recruiter as he is, you can't flip that talent disparity overnight. 
And you know what the sad part is? Next year for Michigan State, I think it will be better. I mean, it has to be better. I think it will be better, though. I think there will be more talent. I think some of these freshmen will start to play more. Next year, though, for Michigan State, it'll get a little bit better, but it still won't be the year. 2024 is the year that we paid Mel Tucker $95 million. 2025 is why we paid him $95 million. When three or four cycles of Mel Tucker being able to recruit in person and on campus renders whatever talent that it does. And now those guys are the sophomores, juniors, seniors. Those guys are the all 22. Those guys are the ones that are carrying the brunt of the weight for Michigan State. And those are the guys we rely on to win 9, 10, 11 games to beat Michigan, to beat Ohio State. When it's those guys, that's when we can judge Mel Tucker for the $95 million contract. That's when we can do it. You can't do it when he's working with Bowling Green, wearing green. Can't do it then. When it's year three, technically, barely, and he got hired 12 seconds before COVID broke out. And you want to talk about he has the worst contract in America? You are a fucking idiot. Either that or you're fraudulent. Either that or you are just typing stuff like that out. You're writing the article, talking about that, putting out those clips. And you know you're wrong. You know that it's a stupid thing to say, but you're doing it anyway because people click and you get interactions and your website gets views. So you're a fraudulent person. You're saying shit that you simply don't believe. You either don't believe that Mel Tucker is overpaid or it's a bad contract or Michigan State fucked up. You either don't believe that or you're a fucking idiot. That's pretty much it. Once 2024 comes around, And these guys, it is the 23rd ranked class. It is the 17th ranked class. It is the 13th ranked class. When the 24, when 2024 comes around and every single position on both sides of the ball is a four star or better. When 2024 comes around and every single player was handpicked by Mel Tucker to suit up for him. If we're still giving up 40 a game, if we're still losing to Minnesota and Maryland, if we're still getting blown out by Ohio state, then we can talk about, all right, maybe he's not necessarily worth it. Because here's the other thing. Remember when all these same people who are now doing the Mel Tucker stinks, he's overpaid, I can't believe MSU did that. Everyone doing that routine were the same fucking fraudulent losers who were doing the LSU is going to poach Mel Tucker. LSU wants Mel Tucker and they're going to go take him and Michigan State can't do anything to stop him. Well, you're wrong. Michigan State can do things to stop him. They did those things to stop him. And now he's in the green and white. Now he's here for the next 10. And now we're going to give him time to let his vision play out. LSU did want him, or at least LSU was interested in sitting down and talking to him. And after MSU's history with Nick Saban going to that very same school down in Baton Rouge, you simply cannot, if you have any pride in the university, you simply cannot let Mel Tucker get up and walk away and go down to LSU for more money after he's been there for like a year and a half, and it's finally he's right in the ship. There's momentum again. People are feeling good. You're winning games. Spartan Stadium sold out. You simply can't let that happen. Michigan State pulled up a chair to the big boy table when they gave Mel that contract. The difference is the difference is Brian between Brian Kelly struggling at LSU. The difference is between Marcus Freeman struggling at Notre Dame. The difference is between Mel Tucker struggling this year at Michigan State is A, they still went 11-2 and last year. Like, people are acting like that didn't happen. Worst contract ever. 
do people know last season happened? They're supposed to win four fucking games. One. And two, the difference is LSU is loaded with talent. I know they went from Coach O to Brian Kelly. LSU is loaded with guys. Notre Dame is loaded with talent. Those two schools never went through the end of the Mark D'Antonio era where they're pulling in the 46th ranked class, the 39th ranked class, the 42nd ranked class. Those aren't the guys that Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman are working with. Those two coaches are still working with top 10 caliber class recruits. Those two coaches, they're playing five stars and they're losing to Marshall. They're playing four stars and they're losing to Florida State. They're not working with Bowling Green. So that's the difference. And again, if you can't understand that, you're an idiot. And if you choose not to understand that, you're fraudulent. So if you're an MSU fan or otherwise and you're jumping ship on Mel, please pump the brakes. Please use your head. Please understand where this program was when he took over. Think back to the day Mel Tucker was hired. It was the low of the fucking low. Everybody was saying, listen, if you think things are going to change next year or the year after or even the year after that, you better fucking relax. It is going to take a little bit of time to figure this thing out for him. So you know what? Let's give him time. Go do something else on your Saturdays this fall. Watch other games. Go out to the fucking pumpkin patch. Hang out with your kids, your wife, your friends, whatever it is you like to do. Relax. Ignore it. Fucking cruise control through this season. And we'll see what Mel Tucker has moving forward. Because I'll tell you what. I'd be very surprised if some of these guys we're holding responsible, like a Scotty Hazleton, like potentially a Chris Kapilovich, like, I don't know, whoever the fuck the secondaries coach is. What's his name? Um, went to Florida State for a bit. He was with Antonio. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I would be surprised if some changes aren't made at the end of the year. Mel Tucker is not Mark D'Antonio. So pump the brakes, take a deep breath. Look, the season sucks. It's okay to be mad about this year. It's okay to be frustrated. Let's relax with the, we got to get rid of Coach Tucker. It's the worst contract ever. Let's use our heads. Quick break. Have a similar conversation with the fucking Lions, I guess. All right. Let's do the same fucking thing with the Lions. They lost. Embarrassing Patriots. Bailey's happy. Third string. We're pathetic. Defense sucks. Offense sucks. Golf was bad. Dan Campbell seems like he might actually just be an idiot. Um, I miss anything. Everybody got hurt. Um, Hutchinson doesn't do anything. There's another one. Check that off the bingo card. That's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, pathetic game. And I don't even want to – I don't – What? what do you want me to say? Again. Let's do the same fucking routine. We don't get pressure on anybody. Hutchinson, I don't give a fuck about his PFF. 80 overall rating doesn't get near the quarterback. I want him to succeed. I don't give a shit where he went to college. I want him to be the best player of all time. He simply isn't. It is what it is, dude. It sucks. He went to Michigan and people like polarize it in this way. It is what it is, dude. He's not good enough right now, at least. Have I given up hope on him? No. Am I saying he's a bust? No, he's got plenty of time. Get bigger, faster, stronger, whatever. Learn more moves. What I am saying is he does need to be better, though. This level of play isn't going to fucking fly as long as he's making the kind of money he does. It just won't. As long as I know my brain has enough memory to, st- to realize 
We spent the second overall pick on him. That shit's not going to work. Jared Goff was bad. He's been great all year, so I'm not going to go too crazy on Goff. Shit happens. You can't play great every night. The offensive line wasn't the best. He got pressured, even though he's the least fucking athletic person to ever live. Like Jared, I hate to be that guy, but Jared, can you can you dodge a sack once? You know what I mean? Can you avoid a sack once, Jared? Can you not look like you're running on stilts one time when a defender gets near you, Jared? Like, can you not look like your feet are strapped to fucking 16-wheelers anytime you try and take off, Jared? Just one time. And I know you're not a running guy. I know the dual threat isn't in the Jared Goff fucking repertoire. I know when you buy your Madden Ultimate Team card, it doesn't have the burner trait or whatever it is. I get it, Jared. But can you look like you call yourself a pro athlete here and there? Miguel Cabrera, he's the woat as far as athleticism goes. I swear to Christ, he could do a couple things that it's like, all right, Miggy, at least you're moving your feet. Like Jared Goff, for one time, can you not look like you're made out of fucking two-by-fours? I, it's so non-fluid and inflexible. The way he takes sacks, it drives me crazy. He's been great. It's been great all year. He was bad against the Pats Sunday. But Jesus Christ, dude, the athleticism. Like, stretch, dude. Wake up in the morning, make your bowl of oats, and touch your toes for 20 seconds. Hit the gym, and after your workout, do the fucking butterfly for a minute. Like, just a couple things, Jared. Please, can you do something? And the defense, let's talk about them. Everybody's injured. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how every single time New England snaps the ball, someone's knee just exploded in Honolulu Blue. I don't get where that happened. I don't know if we got fucking like hexed or Bill Belichick in his, when his hands are in his pouch, he's just poking a little voodoo doll, taking out everybody's ACL. There was legitimately a stretch where every time the ball was snapped, a different defensive back tore his ACL. I swear to God, it was every point. Oh, the ball got snapped, 24 is down. Ball got snapped, 28's dead. Ball got snapped, 31 can't breathe. Every single fucking play, somebody looks like they got hit by a sniper from the top deck at Foxborough just because a play happened. It was unbelievable. And the guys that didn't get taken out by the sniper didn't cover anybody. Um, the pass rush doesn't exist, dude. Aiden Hutchinson, we talked about him, but for the love of God, Aaron Glenn just can't figure it out. Aaron Glenn just can't figure out what he needs to do. He knows I don't have a pass rush. He knows my secondary sucks. And, hey, I get it, Aaron. It's tough to call defense when that's kind of what you're working with, but you got to do something, buddy. Got to get creative with me. Send the house. Get after Bailey Zappi. Make him make some sick throws. Because the saddest part is, like, Geno Smith last week actually looked good. Geno Smith took off and ran a couple times where you're like, fuck. He's athletic. That was a smart play. Good job, Geno. Fair enough. He made a couple throws. You're like, damn. Stepped up. He took a hit. It's a good throw. He made some plays where you're like, all right, Geno Smith, I know it's because we suck. I'm aware that I'm having this thought of Geno Smith actually is not so bad. I'm aware it's because he's playing the lines and we're the fucking worst again for the 70th year in a row. I understand that aspect of it, but he still did some things. Bailey's happy Sunday is still making throws where I'm like, this dude sucks. He's just overthrowing guys, throwing into coverage, underthrowing guys, just doing where it's like, wait, they have points? Whoa, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. They scored 29 with this guy? He was doing things that you're watching the game going, their quarterback's not very good. Had 29 points, though. That is fucked, Aaron Glenn. 
That's not good enough. That's not good enough. You have to do something. I get it. You're working with scraps. Something. Your job is to do something. Don't give me the insanity bullshit again. I've said it a thousand times now. You do the same thing over and over again. And for whatever reason, Aaron, why do you expect it to change? Why? Letting quarterbacks sit there all day and rushing four hasn't worked once all season. Why the fuck is that supposed to work against Bill Belichick, of all people? Why, Aaron? Okay, your secondary can't cover. Okay, your front four can't get pressure. All right, you know what? Let's send both linebackers or all three, whatever it is, and let's tell the secondary, hey, guys, I know you fucking blow, but all you got to do is cover this dude for like two seconds and someone's going to put their helmet in Bailey Zappi's jaw. That's it. You don't need to cover him for six. You don't need to follow him all over the field. You don't need to sit in the zone. Cover this dude for actually two seconds, and it's either going to be a dog water throw or he's going to take a sack. Try it, Aaron. Go down swinging. The death by nails or whatever the fucking expression is doesn't work. Going, hey, our secondary stinks, so let's put all of the pressure on them. Rush our four guys who don't know what it means to get to the quarterback and see if magically they all turn into Darrell Revis. Let's see if that happens. Hey, Aaron, um, just a hint, buddy. It's not going to happen, so quit trying. We have a new kicker on the team after – an absolute embarrassing performance last week in Seattle. He doesn't get to trot out there once. And Dan, Dan, that's my bad man, Campbell, goes for it on fourth down six times. Six times. Doesn't get it once. NFL record, the only kind of record the Detroit Lions set. Fourth and nine. I think it was the second time he went for it on fourth. Made no sense, bro. You signed a kicker. I get it. It's a long field goal, 51 yards. NFL kickers need to make that plain and simple. You signed him for a reason. See what he's got. If he misses it, now, you know, see ya, pal, move on down the road. Fourth and nine. We're going to go for fourth down. You're reaching Dan. You're trying too hard, Dan. Don't get ahead of yourself. I don't mind the fourth down going for it when it's fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three. I can live with that fourth and nine, Dan fucking kick it. See what the kickers got. I understand it's a long field goal. He's on the goddamn team for a reason. If he is what you hope he is, he's going to have to kick those field goals eventually anyway. And if he isn't what you, what you hope he is, then let's find out right now as opposed to down the road. Fourth and nine, horrible. Um, and beyond all of that, the worst part is forget the fact that the X's and O's suck. Forget the fact that Dan Campbell cannot get it right as far as managing a game goes. It looked like guys were out there just going through the motions. Craig Reynolds, he played hard. I'll give Craig Reynolds that. He ran the ball hard whenever he got it. He looked like he wanted to be there. Every single other person on the team looked like they were going through the motions. Had no fire. Had no guts. Um, didn't have any of what we have had the first four weeks. Like, Despite some tough out losses and despite how angry we all might be at different things, at least those first four games, we were in it till the end. We were fighting. Guys looked like they wanted it. We were busting ass. Halfway through the second quarter yesterday, it was like, what the fuck, dude? Does anybody know there's a game going on? Do we care? Does anybody care? I mean, it was fucking pathetic. And I don't know if guys are starting to kind of get tired of the, let's go, man. This is us message from a guy who doesn't know how to use a timeout. I don't know if... They just felt defeated in general. Like, I don't know where that feeling stems from, but you could feel it through the television. Like, there was no life in the fucking team. It was horrible. 
Horrible. And that's all I got to say on it. I don't want to talk about the game anymore. Moving forward, I want to say something similar to what I said with Mel Tucker. Now, let me make this clear. I feel much better about Mel Tucker and the future of the Michigan State football program than I do about Dan Campbell and the future of the Lions. I feel like supremely confident that Mel Tucker in 2024, 2025, like I said, when the guys that play every position at MSU are all four stars, I feel supremely confident that those guys, those teams will be winning like eight games at least every year. I feel very good in that. I don't know anymore if it's going to work with Dan Campbell. I hope I wanted to. I'm certainly not coming out here saying it's fucked. Get rid of them tomorrow. It's not going to work. I still, you know, I believe a little bit. I still am willing to hear him out. I still am willing to give him next year and seeing what happens. But I'm starting to waver a little bit. If I started the season at 100% confidence that let's say four years from the day they were hired, both coaches would still be at that same university or team and they would now be leading winning teams. If I was at 100% confidence with both of them coming into the year, I'd say with Mel, I'm at like 98. I still have like Mel Tucker just is a good recruiter. I think Mel Tucker will run this team like a CEO where at the end of the year, he goes, Scotty, you fucking suck at your job. You're out. I may not be the best defensive coordinator in the world. Let me go find the guy who is, and I'll handle the recruiting, and I'll handle getting him the nastiest linebackers, the nastiest cornerbacks, the nastiest edge rushers, and he can call the defense. I'll bring him the talent. I think Mel Tucker will run MSU like that. I think that's how he has run it, and I think you'll see at the end of the season when guys like Scotty Hazleton are flipping burgers at Wendy's, you will now be like, oh, okay. That's how this is going to go. It is going to be like a little bit of an Alabama type situation where it's a business. That I'm at a 98 with Mel for that reason. Dan Campbell, on the other hand, if I was at 100 coming into this year, 60, 65, I don't feel great anymore. feel okay. I still want to hear him out. And that's the thing. Anybody, people are frustrated and I get it and you should be mad and this season probably is lost and it sucks because it was kind of encouraging for a couple weeks there. Had the number one offense, almost beat the Eagles who were probably the best team in football, should have beat the Vikings, were in all these games and in the last two weeks it's come crashing down in a hurry. Firing a coach every time they have a losing record isn't how you build winning programs. Firing a coach five games into his second year every single time they're not winning every game in that second year is not how winning things are built. It's just not similar to MSU. The talent level in the Lions organization when he took over was bad. We have offensive talent now, and I haven't gotten on the offense much today because you know what? It sucked. Ben Johnson wasn't great. Running these fourth down plays short of the sticks made me want to fucking throw up. Jared Goff was bad, but you know what? They've been the best offense in the NFL the first four weeks. They sucked ass week five. Shit happens. Shit happens. I won't get too angry with the offense. If they're going to be the best offense in the NFL four of every five weeks, and then that fifth week be the worst, I'll make that trade every single day of the week because you should win four out of five games with that every single time. So I'll make that trade. Dan Campbell, I'm afraid, 
doesn't understand how to run a game, doesn't understand when he should go for it, when he should punt, when he should kick field goals, when he should call timeouts, just doesn't have a feel for the game. And that's okay. But here's the thing. In order for that to be okay, you need to do what I just talked about with Mel, where you're the CEO. You don't have a fucking idea how timeouts work. You don't have a clue how or when you should go for it on fourth. Go find somebody who does. Put them in charge of fourth downs and timeouts. That's their only job. You study math and numbers all day long. Go get the fucking Yale data scientist that sits in his cubicle in Allen Park all day and tell him, hey, man, you're going to stand right next to me on the sidelines on Sundays now, and you're going to tell me when we should call timeouts, and you're going to tell me when we should go for it, when we should kick it, or when we should punt it. And let him do that. And then, Dan Campbell, your job can be firing people up. Your job can getting guys, be getting guys to buy in. Your job can be fucking making sure we play hard. That can be your job. And that's a valuable job. That's something Matt Patricia never had. That can be your job. That's a valuable asset to a football team. But if you don't know what you're doing, Dan, you need to find somebody who does. It's okay. Maybe it's a little embarrassing the head coach hands off timeout responsibilities. You know what isn't embarrassing? If you start winning fucking games. So do it if you have to, Dan. That's what's making me nervous. That on top of the being the uber motivator, being the, I love you guys, man. We're going to play hard and bite kneecaps, man. The whole like Dan Campbell caricature stick or shtick. It's cool. I like Dan. He seems like a good guy. He seems like someone players would like to play for. But, but, but with all of that said, that gets old. When you start losing fucking games, when you start losing games, the teams you shouldn't lose to. And when you start losing games, because you, the head coach don't know what you are doing. You have to figure it out. Do I think calling for his head in year two is the right move? No, that is not the right move. No, 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 no. That is not how you build winning things. No, 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 no. Every single time a guy has a losing record, you can't just fire him. You'll never get anywhere. You need to give him a little bit of time. And we knew that it would take time when we got here. It's funny, similar to Michigan State, this season for the Lions coming in, it was like, all right, let's get Bryce Young. Let's get C.J. Stroud. We'll win a couple games, but let's let's go get it. Like a high draft pick. Let's go get an impact player. And then we'll sign some guys in the offseason. And next year, 2023, then Dan Campbell needs to put a winning product out. And we played the Eagles and we were in that game. And then we beat Washington. And then we were winning ahead in charge of that Minnesota game. And it slipped away at the end. But it was like, all right, we should have won that. After week three, I think people felt good. We were looking around like, fuck, the offense scores. Defense is bad. But asking the defense to go from the worst in the league to like 28th isn't a crazy ask. And if that happens, we'll have a winning record. I think people started to feel good. People are coming at me like, dude, you said we were making the playoffs. I don't think I ever said that. What I did say was, after that Minnesota game, this team is capable of competing for a playoff spot. They should have beaten Minnesota. Minnesota is very much so competing for a playoff spot right now. They're 4-1. and one. We, I believe, or I believed after that game, were in a similar situation. I believe we had the talent level. If the defense can just get from the worst to – really fucking bad, we'd be 3-1 and one before uh, the Pats game Sunday. 
we'd be vying for a playoff spot. We'd be keeping it interesting. We'd be hanging around. Eight, nine wins is what I said. I was like, all right, why can't this team win eight, nine games? The way they looked. And people got their expectations up, and it was like somewhere along the way it became this team should win, you know, win it all. This team should make the playoffs. And the Seattle game was pathetic and horrible and a gut-wrencher. And then this Pats game was brutal. And now it's like, are we going to win any more games? Like now it's like the expectation. We started out here, we got up to here, and now we're down here. It's like the expectation is even lower than it was when the season started. It's inexcusable, the game we lost to Seattle, the game we lost to Minnesota, and what just happened against the Pats Sunday. That shit should not happen. But I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that, again, much like Michigan State, this wasn't supposed to be the year that Dan Campbell and the line make the playoffs. People, everyone, national media, Detroit media, fans, were talking about, what about Bryce Young? People were like, yeah, we'll win like five games and get a pretty good draft pick. And then now we might still win five games. We're bad. Everyone's like, Dan Campbell, get him out of here. Please relax. That's not going to do anything. Firing him and starting over again isn't going to help anything. Give him a little bit of time. Give him a little bit of time. Let's see what happens next year. If next year we're in the same boat, next year we start off one and four, two and three, and we're losing games like we did against Minnesota. We're losing games like we did against Seattle. Aaron Glenn is still somehow around. Then we can get rid of Dan Campbell. Then we can explore other options. It's too early right now. And one last thing I just need to say, the amount of fucking people, I was pissed Sunday. I made that video, went kind of viral. Same old Lions vibes where it's just every single year, how does it happen? And I don't want to get into that because it just makes me feel bad. And I, I don't know. I just don't, I, Sunday I felt like I was pissed. I don't want to be pissed again. But people in the comments going, I told you, dude, same old lines. Dan Campbell was never going to work. And there's a guy on Spartan Twitter, Justin Spiro, Darko State News. I like him. I agree with a lot of what he says. I think he's entertaining, good at what he does. Um, I've talked to him in spaces. Seems like a good guy, all that shit. Nothing against him. But he posts a screen grab Sunday of a video he made. I don't know when he made it, in fairness. I don't know if he made it a week ago. I don't know if he made it the day Dan Campbell was hired. But the title of the video is Why Dan Campbell Won't Work in Detroit. And he posted it like bragging that he knows it. And he claims to be a Lions fan. He's tweeting about the lines. He's talking about them. Why the fuck are you seemingly happy that, oh, I told you Dan Campbell wouldn't work. What? You're just out? Again, if he made that video after the Minnesota game, okay, maybe. If he made that video a year ago, two years ago, why are you like pushing the agenda that the head coach who just started isn't going to work? Why do you want that to be true? Why are you puffing your chest? I told you we would stink. It's the same shit with the same old Lions fans. I told you, same old Lions, this is what we do. Why are you happy that you're a fucking loser? Why are you happy that you have a defeatist attitude? Why are you puffing your chest and waving your flag going, I know my favorite team that I fucking lie about rooting for, they're bad again, I told you so. Ha <laughs> I'm the smartest. Why are you doing that? I'll never get it. Like I said, Justin seems like a pretty you know, head on his shoulder guy. I, I seems like an, I don't know him personally, but like seems like a good dude, all that good stuff. Dude, why are you running around going, I told you Dan Campbell wouldn't work, and then you're tweeting about the Lions. And he was defending himself going, wait, I can't say the Lions are bad. I can't 
criticize the organization. Absolutely. Lions sucked. Front office. Uh, front office hasn't been terrible. Coaching staff stinks, apparently. Team stinks. Lions stink. Horrible franchise. All of that. Yes. You can criticize away. Hutchinson stinks. Criticize away. It's a difference between criticizing and preeminently going, oh, the head coach we just hired is going to be a failure. And then when it goes poorly, when they lose again, you're tweeting something out going, told you so. Ha <laughs> Is that criticizing or are you just being an asshole? Is that criticizing or are you just flexing that you predicted the new head coach of your favorite team was going to be a failure? That's a weird thing to flex about. That's like your friend. Maybe he's not the smartest in the group. Doesn't get into that school. And you you send him the, uh, the screenshot of your group chat and you go, I told you you wouldn't get in, dude. I knew he wouldn't get in. He's not smart enough. What? Your friend applies for their dream job and you're like, man, you know, it's kind of a long shot, but hopefully it's kind of a long shot. I don't know if it'll happen. And then when they don't get in, you're like, I told you you wouldn't do it. I, t- I knew it. Your friend wants to be an actor. And when they don't get booked after their 90th audition, you go, I told you you would never make it. <laughs> Weird. Why do you want to do that? I know it's bad. Criticize. They stink. I understand. I won't understand the defeatist before it happens. I can understand the people this Sunday going, same old Lions, man. This shit happens year after year. I get that. I get that angle of the same old Lions. What I can't get behind, and it will happen, is next year in August, before year three of Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes starts, there are going to be people going, same old Lions. They won't do shit. This organization sucks. Before they've played a fucking game. The same people making videos about how Dan Campbell's going to be a loser, however many games into his tenure he was when that video was published. That I can't get behind. That is lame as fuck. That's disingenuous. That's the type of shit that has me thinking, you're a loser. Why do you want to be that person? And why do you even bother with the Lions if that's your outlook? Don't get it. Team sucks. I don't care anymore. Football season was fun. Michigan beat Indiana. Little little sweaty there for a little bit, but they got it done. I just I don't fuck whatever. Um, quick break or not quick break. That's all we got this week. We'll be back. Also, shout out if anybody's here from Seattle. That my Seattle TikTok with the new design went uber viral. Like half a million people have watched it, which is fucked. Half a million from Seattle. I'm from Michigan. I talk about Detroit and Michigan and Michigan State. Half a million people from Seattle saw the TikTok. That's fucking mind-blowing. So if you're here, welcome. Hope you enjoyed it. Kind of a depressing episode today. If you want more of the positivity, go back to August, early September. Vibes were higher back then. Um, But thank you for the support on the Seattle Drop. They've flown off the shelves. Done way better than I could have hoped for. Obviously not having a Seattle fan base. So I appreciate everybody who's purchased them, supported, spread the word, sent them to your friends, even just left comments, messages, whatever it is. I appreciate all the support. If you aren't aware, the Seattle drop, I'm going to keep it in the store until the Mariners win the World Series. The secondstring.com, go check it out. This weekend, we're going to have a little something for the Red Wing season starting. So if you're a hockey fan, keep your eyes peeled. That's all I got today. We'll be back Thursday. Appreciate you guys. Have a good week.